shut up, you listen to my monkey mouth. As a companion, when you got pun on the canoe route, popped in a portal and got in a fight. Elias knocked him out. Bow, Marco fighting style. Bow, you will see he tapped out. Bow, we win, we get crowned. Monkey mouth, monkey mouth, monkey mouth, monkey mouth. Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to another iteration of Armchair Mixed Martial Arts. On this episode, we're going to be reviewing UFC 282, as well as looking forward to the fight night that's happening between now and the end of the year. I'm not going to look past the end of the year, um, just uh, it's arbitrary and fun for me to do it that way. Um, so, just to dive right off into it, uh, Dana was acting like this was some type of god-awful card, and... I didn't feel that way. Um, maybe he was just saying that the last couple fights weren't that great or the main event, whatever. But either way, I thought it was all just fine. Uh, it was almost all finishes. Literally, I think the main card was all finishes with the exclusion of the main and co-main. Um, yeah, it just wasn't as bad as Dana made it out to be. But either way, um, let me just start um, with the early prelims see if there was anything worth mentioning in there oh man billy quarantillo looked amazing against alexander hernandez um alexander hernandez didn't look terrible it's just man i mean uh, alexander hernandez laced billy open with a hellacious elbow um so it's not like he didn't get his work in but billy quarantillo's gas tank is just next level and Midway through the second round, he was just openly melting Alexander Hernandez, and it just got worse and worse for him uh, throughout the fight. And by the end of it, um, I mean hell, I didn't even make it to the didn't even make it to the third round. He wound up TKO and Alexander Hernandez by the end of the second. So uh, once that gas can started to go, um, it went it went pretty quick. But so uh, really great performance out of Billy. Uh, always an exciting guy. I can't wait to see what they're going to do with him next. Uh, Chris Curtis got the job done against Joaquin Buckley, um, separated Joaquin from consciousness entirely, uh, knocked him down with a big, a big counter shot. Chris Curtis's defense was just next level the entire night. Um, Joaquin just couldn't seem to get through his high guard and, uh, didn't put enough work into the body, uh, to really turn the tide and make him drop his hands. And so... That's how that goes. Uh, Chris Curtis, hella season guy. I mean, way, way, way more fights under his belt than Joaquin. So, um, you know, it's not uh, a terrible, terrible loss for Joaquin. He's going to keep getting fun fights, but a uh, really great win for Chris Curtis. Um, that's a big one, right? That's a, He just took uh, Joaquin's thunder, and that guy had some. So, good for him. Edmund Shabazian came back after the first time in a long time. Uh, Seems like he kind of got ahead of himself early on in his career, and uh, I believe his manager's Ali, and Ali sat him down and told him, hey, you know, you probably need to work on some of, the, work on some of these other skills for a little while, kind of focus on you before you take another fight, and let's, let's get back on the right track, and that's exactly what he did, uh, and he wound up getting a second-round TKO over Dolce Lungiambula. I butchered that name last time, but after having said it once and beating myself up over butchering it, and then watching them say it live, I've kind of got it down. Dolce Lungiambula. Uh, but, uh, you know, Lungiambula was just a way bigger, stronger looking human. He used to fight at heavyweight back in the day, and uh, you could tell, right? 
um, <laughs> so massive human and was throwing bombs the entire time. But Edmund, uh, his striking was just too crispy. Uh, wound up picking him apart and getting the TKO by the end of the second round, 441 into the second round. And so, like I said, man, you know, they don't wanted to kind of hate on this card, but this is all finishes, bro. The next fight was Jarzinho Rosenstrink versus Chris Dawkus, which, man, tough skid for the Dawkus brothers here recently. Uh, I hope nothing but the best for them, but they both got uh, finished within a span of like two weeks of one another. So, yeah, tough uh, tough holiday season for the Dawkus brothers and, the, and uh, you know, ho hope nothing but the best for them and hope they turn it around. Um, but, uh, you know, Jarzinho got the win in 23 seconds, bro. The whole fight was 23 seconds long immediately binked him uh and then wound up turning the lights off on him uh it was you know 23 second knockout at heavyweight it's one of those things right where uh heavyweight is so crazy uh it can be really boring fights but the whole time you have to be in a state of suspense because at any moment these guys can do this type of shit right i mean jarzinho in particular uh has now done this at 23 seconds into the first round in a professional MMA fight, and he's also done it with six seconds left at the end of a 25-minute fight against a world champion kickboxer and Alexander Over Alexander Alistair Overeem, and so uh, you know it's one of those things where it might be kind of slow paced and you might not like it because they're not moving and throwing as much as the smaller weight classes, but. I mean, this man possesses knock you out with one punch power from the first ring of the bell to the last ring of the bell in a 25 minute long fight. And so, uh, you know, the heavyweights have to fight a lot more conservatively than the, the bantamweights. You know, bantamweights, they can take getting hit a bunch, right? Because the guys who are hitting them only have 125 pounds worth of mass to put behind it to even generate force. Whereas these heavyweights are walking around at 245 pounds just throwing neutron bombs at one another and so uh you know it's always a little different watching heavyweight fights um but the type of finish that you got in that fight is the reason why they're fun and suspenseful and then uh this young man right here Raul Rosas Jr. is a beast I'm a big big fan I watched him on the contender series uh when he was only 17 years old uh, they had him fight Jay Perrin, who's no scrub. He's been around the block. I've seen him fight several times at this point. It's been a you know, long time, so let's go. Um, but, you know, Paul Rose is 18 years old. Got <laughs> a, a rear naked choke finish in 2 minutes and 44 seconds. It was a literal flawless victory. I don't think he got hit once. Um, he's a fun guy. He's fun on the mic. I wish that he could he was speaking a little bit more clearly right but at the end of the day uh it's an exciting moment he just won he's breathing heavy it's hard to it's hard to be really articulate on the mic after a fight so i'm not upset at him uh because he does a good job with the promotion uh, uh with promoting and working with the marketing team uh you know they've they've given him a push and he's done well with it and uh, it also is a testament to the the marketing department of the UFC. Uh, he got a huge pop, uh, which obviously Vegas is fight capital of the world. They're going to be an educated crowd, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, at the end of the day, a, a lot of the pop that he's getting from the crowd and online is due to the efforts of the UFC marketing department. I just wish that they were uh, had more people so that they could give that type of treatment to everybody, right? Not just the guys who they 
feel like are exceptionally marketable. But he rocks his big sombrero. He shared on social media where whenever he was 10 years old, he had a cake with Robbie Lawler on it. So, I mean, the guy's about that life, has been about that life his whole life. Um, he's young. He'll probably wind up getting burnt out at some point. But, uh, you know, who, who doesn't after after so long? Um, but either way, uh, a 7-0 professionally, uh, won on the Contender Series, got a finish in his first fight, the youngest person to ever compete in the UFC, the youngest person to ever get a finish in the UFC or a win for even that matter, uh, you know, checks all the boxes positives in every direction it's going to be really exciting to see the the trajectory of this young gentleman's career um i hope nothing but the best for him and uh you know whenever the time comes for him to leave the sport i hope he does it right uh, uh nothing but the best for paul roses on to the main card which was fun um it sucks man we lost yuri prakasna and glover which guys Yuri destroyed his shoulder because it separated in practice and he tried to have one of his buddies there put it back in place and it just devastated his arm and this is just so frustrating right because on the one hand guys separate their shoulders all the time people pop it in all the time TJ Dillashaw did it on the stool in between rounds in his uh in his fight with Aljamain Sterling, so it's not impossible, but at the end of the day, this is the type of risk you're running, right? Homie's got a gnarly shoulder injury that the UFC doctors are saying is one of the worst that they've ever seen, and it's because he let a dude try and pop his shoulder back into place who didn't have the appropriate medical training to do so. And so, one of them cases of you fuck around, you find out you know fucked around and let a dude with no medical training uh try and pop your separated shoulder back into place and find out by uh having your shoulder devastated tough night at the office bro uh and then uh wild that glover turned down the fight for the championship immediately um and then even wilder that Dana made the fight for Glover and Jamal Hill that same night, almost like a knee-jerk reaction. And then Anthony Lionheart Smith, who's already lined up to fight Jamal Hill in January, found out while he was broadcasting live that uh, that fight had basically been yanked out from under the rug. And if that ain't a case of the UFC not giving a flying fuck, I don't know what is. I hope Anthony Smith goes to PFL and makes a million dollars or goes to one championship and breaks in some bag, gets a, gets a Lamborghini or something. Um, I hope it gets done right because that isn't the type of treatment that I feel like someone who uh, has put in the work, has said yes to tough fights, has come in injured, has stepped in early, has taken all comers, has fought John Jones, has fought in championship fights, works the analyst booth. I mean, if that guy can't command respect from the UFC, then no one can. And it's just so frustrating, right? It's, it's like an issue. It really is an issue where... The UFCs, there's the fighter pay stuff that's going on, and then there's this type of shit, right, where I would call it nothing short of mistreatment. You don't do that to someone who does right by you. Um, it was such a, and it's such a hard spot to put him in professionally, right, whenever he's learning 
that his professional landscape is changing rapidly and to have to grapple with that live um, in front of his uh, contemporaries and in front of the world is a really, really impolite and inconsiderate thing to do to somebody, just period. And I understand uh, maybe there's just too many moving parts. They didn't realize where Anthony was going to be. They didn't think about all these repercussions, et cetera, et cetera. But um, that's not an excuse for me. That's their job. It's your job to think about this shit. It's your literal job to, to figure that shit out. So the UFC gets no passes for me. If they're, if they're making, if they're so big and making so much money and they have so much going on, they seem to bring in more people to help manage the process. Then that's all it comes down to because that that's unacceptable. I didn't like it at all, but either way we're digressing from the point um, is that the, the Robbie Lawler and the Ponziago Santanibio fight got canceled and the Yuri Prokosnev and Glover Teixeira fight got canceled, uh, which they both wound up having fights replaced. Um, and we'll just get to those. Uh, and so the first fight of the main card was my boy Bryce Mitchell versus uh, Ilya Toporia. Toporia. And Toporia looked amazing. Uh, it looked like he was kind of loading up on his shots at some point. Um, and that was kind of negatively affecting him. But at the end of the day, um, he knew that he had the, the striking advantage against Bryce Mitchell. And uh, that it was such a distinct advantage that it made it to where he could just focus on stopping Bryce's takedowns and throwing bombs. And that's what he did. Uh, and he wound up catching Bryce with a few of those bombs, uh, knocking him down. And it was in the second round. And he actually, if you gambled on this, if you made some fat fucking cash. He actually wound up armed. Iatapuria wound up arm trialing, arm triangling, had an arm choking, Bryce Mitchell. And I would have never gambled that's how the fight, that was going to be the result in a million years. But that's why if you take that bet, you cashed out. Um, you know, Bryce, uh, I think at the end of the day, is probably going to have to get into a, a bigger gym with some more talent where he can consistently spar against top level guys so that he can be more comfortable. Um, just standing and banging with guys who are at Tuporia's level and so that, he, uh, he can, you know, work his to nothing's going to get your takedown game where it needs to be other than taking people down in, you know, semi live combat environments and, and drilling that shit a million times. And he needs to be in there against guys who it's one thing to do it, against nobody it's another thing to do it against a world-class person and i think that he needs to go and put himself into the crucible and uh come out of that a uh, 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 forged katana right right now he's just a sharp blade uh, of untempered steel that he's been sharpening at home right and that can get you really far but i think it's time that he gets some some real professional help to take himself to the next level because he's you know a, a ranked featherweight and he's like being a dork out in the woods in Arkansas, right? And I just can't imagine what would happen if, if they plopped him in a super camp and they were able, you know, the, the, the minds, the meeting of the minds came together and, uh, you know, he was in there training against nothing but the top level guys, striking, grappling, clinching, everything would just be nothing but top level guys. So I think we would see a tremendous, uh, improvement in Bryce Mitchell's game, but, uh, what the fuck do I know? I'm just a podcaster. I shut the fuck up. Um, but 
The next fight was Darren Till versus Drikus Duplessis. The S is silent at the end, motherfucker. Get it right. Um, Darren, which, by the way, for some reason, that just pinged to me. I didn't do any of my reaction videos for this fight card, uh, so if you were looking for those, sorry. My priorities are right. I was in Louisiana visiting family, and I wasn't trying to waste my time making videos whenever I'm visiting family. Um... My priority is to spend that time with my family, so that's life. Y'all are gonna miss y'all are gonna miss some content every here and there because that's the type of person I am. But Darren Till and Drikus Duplessis fought. Drikus Duplessis got a, a submission in the third round. Uh, I thought that Darren was gonna win this fight by the end of it. I picked Drikus, I believe, in the podcast before this one, but. Uh, Drikus almost finished Darren Till in the first round, but uh, he kind of cashed himself out. Kind of gassed himself out trying to chase the finish. And Darren Till's got a hellacious gas tank. And uh, Darren Till came out, and I thought he was going to finish Drikus in the second round, right? It's, uh, Drikus got on top of D- Till in the first round. It was ground and pounding him, and I thought he was going to be able to finish the fight. Then Darren Till was beating up on a tired-out Drikus in the second round and had him on his back foot, and I thought Darren Till was going to be able to get the finish. And then in the third round, uh, Drikus wound up getting the takedown and getting the submission about halfway through the third round. So uh, it was a really, really good performance. Um, You know, I thought that Darren Till was probably getting pretty close to the chopping block, but with that this being fight of the night, it was a hellacious fight, super fun fight. Uh, you know, what can you do whenever, you know, you go out there and you put on a good performance like that. People love that shit, you know, they, and they want asses in the seats. So you do the stuff that people love and that brings people to put their asses in the seats. The UFC is going to keep you around. And I think he successfully did that. So, uh, more power to him. And, you know, he didn't look bad. Uh, it didn't look terrible. I mean, he looked bad in the first round. Make no mistake. Um, but you know, he's just, he just needs... I mean, I don't know what he needs. I know that he keeps getting uh, outmatched by these wrestler types. I wish he could figure it out. Because I'm a big Darren Till fan, but that's life. So the next fight on the card was one of the fights that had to get kind of reworked. This was the Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Alex Morono fight, which is originally supposed to be Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Robbie Lawler, which probably... May have been a funner fight, but honestly, this fight was plenty fun. I have no complaints about this fight whatsoever. Uh, You know, Alex Morono, they were talking during the broadcast about how, you know, he, he wakes up every day at the same time, he eats every day at the same time, he trains every day, he's always in shape, etc., etc., they're saying how it's it almost seems a little out of, out of character uh, from the perspective of the broadcast booth that he's a guy who's so rigidly structured would be so down to keep taking these short notice fights. But to me, it makes sense, right? The reason why I would imagine he's like that is so that he can take short notice fights, right? Um, it's a matter of he's always in shape, he's always training, he's always ready. He's got a good set of habits, and those habits will take him through any circumstance he comes into, whether that's a short-notice fight, long-notice fight. He's doing the same thing all the time, getting ready. And so it makes sense that he can take these type of fights to me. But uh, he went out there and fought valiantly, but, man, Santiago wound up getting the finish in the third round. Um, 
Santiago just had more pop, you know, the the quicker guy, throwing uh, and just was throwing a lot harder. You could tell that his 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 shots were landing. Um, I mean, he finished the fight, right? Um, I say that it, I say that it, honestly, Alex Morono knocked Santiago down every round um, until the third round. It, it came down to Santiago needed to get that finish in the third round, and and uh, he started throwing them bombs, man. And uh, you know, he's 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 a seasoned vet. He knows what he's doing. And he wound up catching Alex Morono and uh, got the TKO. Right? He uh, he he went out there and fought the way you need to fight in the third round. Whenever you know you're losing the fight. Um, so hella props to Santiago, man. Um, it's really, really great to see him back in the win column. He's a great guy. Um, you know, he works, he's another one of those guys who works the broadcast booth. He does the, the Spanish broadcast, the Deportes, the, the Deportes broadcast team. Um, and so, you know, I don't think that Alex Verona's stock goes down, right? Um, I think that he keeps being that guy who's a fun fighter, who puts on good fights, who will fight anybody at any time. And there's a that's a niche, right? He's he's going to keep getting called, for sure, especially on these short-notice events. And then here is the fight that has everybody fucking clamoring. The Patty Pimblett jared Gordon fight. Now, I, at the end of the fight, had Patty Pimblett losing the fight. Now, I still look at fights through the filter of the old way, um, where they were mistakenly not prioritizing damage done. They're prioritizing the number of strikes thrown, octagon control, etc., etc. They're 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 considering it all at once. Right. And big John McCarthy has said on his podcast a few times, you know, and I think that John McCarthy saying this shit out loud is one of the big things that helped change uh, how it's being judged is that you look at damage first. And if someone damaged the other fighter more, they won. You don't need to look at anything else. It doesn't matter if that other guy controlled the entire octagon through more punches, won every grappling exchange won every clinch exchange, won every facet of the fight, except for damage dealt, you lose. It's about hurting the other man at this point. And, 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 uh, and that's the way it was supposed to be. And the judges kind of got away from that. And I think that something happened, right? I mean, people are openly talking about how now damage is the number one priority that the judges are looking at. And so with that in mind, I can certainly see how Patty got the nod for sure. Um, because in the, so to my mind, knowing that the judges are sincerely prioritizing damage these days. Now it's Patty won the first and second round and lost the third. That's, that's, that's the end of the story. Um, you know, I think that if they were not, letting the the discussion stop at damage right if, if they were doing it like they were doing it six months ago where they would go yeah he damaged him more but the other guy controlled the octagon and he did this and that and let's consider all that and with that all in mind we think the other guy won the round nowadays you got hurt worse that round you lost that round homie is that cut and dry and so although jared gordon controlled the center i'm sorry it's not it is jared gordon i keep 
getting him and uh, another guy mixed up. Sorry. Um, but so Jared Gordon controlled the octagon. He threw more strikes. He landed more strikes, etc., etc. But Patty Pimblett landed to greater effect. That's a fact. I, I definitely felt as though Patty Pimblett's punches were landing to greater effect in the first round uh, as opposed to Jared Gordon's. Um, but you never know how much damage is really being accrued. You know, you're not there, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, the judges, uh, two of the judges thought that Patty Pimlet won the first round. One of the judges thought that Patty Pimlet won the second and third. The one round that everybody was in agreement on was Patty. I mean, even, even like the verdict machine, uh, d- had picked Patty to win that second round. And then the third round, I think one judge just got it wrong, right? I think Patty won the second and first and second and lost the third. Um, no one really damaged each other in the third round. Uh, Jared Gordon came out and uh, controlled him, put him up against the cage until the last, like, 30 seconds, and then Patty got on top. Um, but So, I mean, with, with there being an equal amount of damage dealt between those two, which was effectively none in the third round, then you go and look at aggression, octagon control, and Jared Gordon was the one pushing forward, which is aggressive behavior, octagon control. He had you know, his back foot to the center of the octagon. He's controlling the octagon. Um, and at that point, clearly based on the criteria that are remaining after damage is now no longer being considered because it's equal, Jared Gordon won the third round. Um, and so, again, with how it's being judged these days, Patty really won that fight. And I feel like it's how it should be getting judged based on damage, right? It's about, it's a fucking fight. We're here to whoop each other's ass. Who da- who hurt the other guy worse? It's very clearly Patty won that fight, right? His face wasn't hurt at all. Jared looked like he got beat up. Um, and so literally you can look at the two guys out of the press conference and go, mm, I could see who won. And so, um, you know, even if you really did feel like Jared Gordon won, which I did, I felt like Jared Gordon won at the end of the fight because I've been watching MMA my whole life and I'm passing it through the filter of uh, who I'm expecting to win based on how fights have been judged previous, not who I really feel like won the fight in my heart. In my heart of hearts, I felt like Patty dealt more damage and he really won the fight. Um, when I was watching the fight and the fight ended and I go, man, who do I think is going to win that? Like, who's going to get their hand raised right now? I thought Jared Gordon was going to get his hand raised. I think that's an important distinction to make uh, because a lot of people are talking about this fight and there's been a pretty significant change in the way that these fights are being judged in the last six months. And so a lot of us are still kind of passing these fights through the filter of previous experience and we're not we're not in the previous experience zone anymore. We're in the they're doing it the new way zone. And so, um, you know, I just got caught up looking at it through the old way um, and you know, after, after looking at it and after thinking about it and re reminding myself of the priorities of the judges these days, it makes good sense how they got the win. No one got robbed. That's for sure. It was close enough to where I'm not prepared to call it a robbery either way. If Jared had won, I wouldn't have called it a robbery. If Patty had won, I, I, I'm still not calling it a robbery. Um, and the like flack that Patty's catching online is nuts. I'm so, it's so weird how ugly people are online to one another. I've never understood it. If you guys are going to be ugly to me, I'm going to block y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have no no patience for this shit. It's ridiculous. I don't understand why everybody's trying to tear, tear each other down. And on the subject of tearing each other down, Patty Pimblett and Ariel Helwani are now in some type of beef. 
right? Which, according to everything that I've read at this point, it's basically that Patty was in the vicinity of Ariel, and Ariel caught wind of that, and Ariel reached out trying to see if he'd do an interview, and the time slot that Ariel had available was uh, during the same time whenever Patty had an interview that he was going to get paid to do. And so his manager let Ariel know that, hey, we have this other thing going on. We're getting paid to do it. And so if we're going to step away from that to do something with you, we're going to need to get paid. And that turned into this big deal where Ariel got upset about how he doesn't pay his interviewees. And uh, it just it just somehow spun off from there, right? But evidently this was the catalyzing thing where Ariel wanted Patty to come and do an interview for free when Patty already had something else lined up that he was going to get paid for. And they were like trying to meet in the middle where Patty's like, I want to come do your interview. I'd rather do your interview, but I'm also not prepared to turn down money. So, um, you know, who knows? I wasn't there. I'm certain it'll blow over in due course. Uh, you know, everybody's got their big boy pants on. I'm certain that Patty's going to be able to squash whatever. He's a world-class fighter. He's nothing to worry about, right? What's, you know, he's going to be able to squash it. And Ariel's the top journalist in the game. Like, these, these guys should be able to get over it if they're adults. You know, Patty's not going anywhere. Ariel's not going anywhere. If I were them, I'd try and squash it so that we could break bread together. And, you know, another thing, too, is that people need to realize that Patty isn't a top 10 guy at lightweight right now. You know, um, everybody has been so conditioned by some of these meteoric rises, right? The Israel Adesanya's of the world, the Conor McGregor's of the world, that everybody expects that type of trajectory out of somebody who gets a lot of star power. But understand that just because someone has a lot of star power doesn't necessarily mean that they're the most freakishly uh, physically gifted or talented in a particular... There's nothing about the star power that Patty Pimblett has that automatically makes him a top 10 talent. And that's where I think a lot of people are kind of getting hung up is they're expecting because he has all this clout on his name right now for him to do all this like extraordinary shit and... The truth is that he's, you know, an upper middle of the pack guy at lightweight right now. And he's having to work and get better every day so that he can stay competitive in what is easily one of the most competitive divisions and one of the most competitive sports in the world. So he's in there swimming with the sharks right now and he's trying his best and he's going to keep getting better every day until, uh, until it gets, you know, until the, the chips land where they're going to land with him. But um, I definitely wish that he wasn't catching so much flack out there. Uh, I, I'm a big, big Patty fan. I honestly thought that he uh, lost the fight in terms of how it was going to go with the judges just based on my previous experience. And so that's my bad. Like, I'll admit it. Um, you know, I need to get with, I need to really integrate how the judges are prioritizing damage as the number one judging criteria into my operating system now which is funny because i've known that's how it's supposed to be for forever uh and they just have never judged it that way and it's been a bone that i've had to pick with it for forever I, you may have even heard me talk about it in some of my 
older podcasts, I was doing podcasts before this change in the judging really occurred. And so, uh, you know, certain you've, you probably heard me talking about it when I was saying it needed change, heard me talking about it when I was first being like, I think they're doing something. And then now you hear me talking about it when it's clearly the case that they've made the type of changes that we all wanted to see in the judging. Uh, one last thing I'd love to do is if they could make it open judging, right? I, I wish that they could make it to where the fighters could see where they were on the card so that they could go out there and fight accordingly. Right. Uh, I hate that, um, you know, like Jared Gordon could have very well felt like he was winning that fight and just wanted to coast into the end of the third round or whatever. So, um, I think that open scoring could, could make things a lot more interesting, but either way, we've talked about that enough. You guys need to give Patty some love online. Uh, and now we're going to talk about the main event, which was the light heavyweight, uh, championship fight for the recently vacated light heavyweight strap that Yuri uh, vacated because he blew his shoulder out because he allowed a guy with no proper medical training to try and pop his shoulder back into place. Um, and so you've got Jan Blakowicz versus Magomed Ankalaev. And, uh, you know, Dana threw like this big fit and made this big old fuss about it. And I didn't think the fight was that bad. I really didn't. I thought the, I thought the fight was fun. You know, the, the first three rounds was primarily standing and banging right. Jan was throwing tons of leg kicks and uh, was looking really good. Uh, they say Jan's got mammoth bones. That's why he can just go shin to shin. He can just win that battle, which is true. He's a big, thick man. But, you know, Jan was chopping Magomed down, dude. Literally had both of his legs in trouble. Um, you know, Magomed got kicked so many times that he wound up having to switch stances and then he got kicked so many times in his lead leg in his switch stance that he just was fucked. And that led to some actual desperation wrestling out of him, which, uh, you know, about a little over halfway through the third round, uh, he found some success with the wrestling and then he just stuck with that in the second or with the, in the third and fourth in the championship rounds. And so, you know, I could see how the back half of the fight wasn't as entertaining as you might have liked for it to have been, considering how exciting the whole night of fights leading up to it was, and how they were fighting in the first, you know, half of the fight. Um, but hey, man, some people wrestle, you know? And it's not like that he was terribly inactive on top. It's not like Jan was terribly inactive from the bottom. Um, I wasn't mad at it. Not only was I not mad at the fight, but I also wasn't mad at the decision. Um, it was a super razor thin fight taught, fought by two of the top world-class athletes on the planet. And it was so close. They couldn't call it. And, you know, one guy won the stand up battle so bad that it forced the other guy to wrestle. And then that other guy, once he was forced to wrestle, did so good at it that it forced a draw. I think it's cool. That's dope. So whatever, Dana, it's like, get off your high horse and maybe, don't make a rash decision and fucking do your boy Anthony Smith dirty. Whatever. I'm certain them and Anthony Smith are going to come to some terms amicably. It just hurts my butt. But, uh, you know, at this point, there's no light heavyweight champion. They've set up uh, Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill in Brazil, uh, which I believe is a pretty recent-ish uh, card that's coming up not entirely certain but uh i know that it's going to be in brazil and that pretty much covers that i mean we can go off into what's going to happen in the next set of fights 
So the next set of fights, we've got uh, Jared Cannonier versus Sean Strickland. And this is a really difficult fight to call. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm a big fan of both these guys for different reasons, right? They both have fun personalities, right? Jared Gordon or Jared Cannonier is like a, a really humble, almost spiritual guy into crystals, energies, stuff like that. Fun guy. Real fun dude. Like probably a real neat guy to smoke a joint with. Then you got Sean Strickland, who is a fucking nutcase and is just letting his freak flag fly as high as he can fly it. It'll probably be an absolute blast to just shotgun a beer with. So, two opposing personalities, um, but it's going to make for a really, really fun set of interviews and for a really fun fight. Um, it's such a hard one to call, man. I love picking Jared Cannonier because uh, he was a heavyweight and he packs that heavyweight core strength and punching power. And, uh, you know, we saw that strong Sean got slappity slept in his last fight, um, which again, ain't no knock on him. He's fighting Pahea who was able to finish Izzy. So, I mean, it, Pereira, Pahea, he's from Brazil. It's in Portuguese. The R's supposed to be silent, but everybody keeps calling him Pereira. So I don't fucking know. Alex Pereira. Um, wound up knocking out Sean Strickland in some really emphatic fashion. And it's one of those things where sometimes guys aren't ever the same psychologically after that. And some guys' chins never come back after that. So we have both of those risks to be considerate of when we're talking about Sean Strickland. But I do believe that Sean Strickland's a bullheaded, dumbass dude who's going to have a real hard time uh, letting something like that slow him down. So I don't know. It's like my heart wants to pick, or my head wants to pick Jared, but my heart keeps picking Sean. I'm going to pick Sean Strickland on that one. It's really close, man. If it goes Jared's way, I'm not going to be shocked, but let's, 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 let's ruffle some feathers. Let's pick Sean Strickland. Um, then you've got Armand Sakurian and Demir Ismagulov. These are two beasts. I don't know. Sarkurian and Ismagulov. Who the fuck do you pick in that? um yeah that's a tough one bro i don't know i'm not prepared to pick any of these fights these are all good fights um you know you've got uh amir albazi fighting uh alessandro costa that's i mean that's a fun fight alex cesares versus julian arosa two ogs drew dover and bobby green i thought bobby green got released the fuck what tripping about that I mean, I'm obviously tripping about that. And, you know, that's we can we could go off into the prelims and stuff. But hey, man, you can see it's going to be a clear fun. It's a fun fight card. Not like a ton of star power, but uh, you know, like the Armand Sikurian and uh, Demir's Magulov. That's going to be a fun fight, y'all. Don't miss that one for sure. For sure, the the main and co-main for sure are going to be fun fights, and really the. All the all these, I mean, Drew Dober, Bobby Green, these would be fun fights on this main card for sure. So uh, I highly recommend tuning into that. Uh, and that's a wrap on uh, fights for 2022, dog. It's 2022 right now. How old am I? I don't know. Either way. Um, I talked about Yuri blowing his shoulder out. Uh Joe Rogan and Conor McGregor are having beef right now, which, you know, it's a, it's a Joe Rogan's an idiot doing a podcast, talking shit, being silly. You got to take everything he says with a grain of salt. But he basically said that 
uh, Connor looks like he's on all the steroids and that his piss would literally melt a styrofoam cup. Which he fucking does. And I believe Joe was on a podcast with a guy who is effectively like one of the leading industry, uh, an industry leader uh, in, in terms of steroid use and, and, and uh, stuff like that. And to his mind, Connor's clearly on something. And they were discussing how you can get out of the USADA testing pool, juice up, get clean, get back into the testing pool and be good, good to go. And so, uh, you know, call a spade a spade. I ain't got no problem with it. Uh, apparently Darren Till had torn his ACL before the fight and told Bruce Buffer and Bruce Buffer's like wearing all the microphones and shit and Bruce was like you want me to say something to somebody and Darren was like nah but I mean come on I guess I don't know I don't know why you'd tell somebody that right at the last minute I would definitely maybe kept that to myself uh we talked we touched on the patty aerial beef Oh, man, but one thing I didn't touch on is how Patty and Dana got together and had a big circle jerk hating on fucking Ariel. Ariel's so pissed. I don't even blame him. Um, rumors about uh, Michael Chandler versus Conor McGregor, um, but it's looking like Dana said that's not necessarily the case. It isn't actually confirmed or anything like that. But, you know, Dana's a habitual liar, so who knows? You know, the, the rumor mill is always fun to look at, though. Um, the James Krause situation is getting dicey. Apparently he may even be looking at some prison time down the road. Uh, the word on the street is that we definitely haven't heard the end of that. Uh, he did officially shut down his, uh, gambling discord server. Uh, he sold his ownership stake in the gym that he was a co-owner in so that everybody up there could keep training. Uh, and it's looking like on account of the UFC handling the situation, the way they handled it, uh, Alberta is now accepting bets again, which is big news. Um, but that's about it guys. There isn't a whole lot of news I wanted to cover right now. And a lot of the shit that I was going to talk about in terms of news was stuff that related directly to the fights that we just watched or the ones that were coming up. And so I just kind of digressed into some of those points naturally. So that's probably all I got to say, honestly. I mean, really, I I could talk. I could keep talking for fucking hours, but uh, I'm not just gonna sit here and uh, and, and uh, take advantage of y'all's ears like that. I reckon I can call it armchair army. I appreciate y'all so so much for tuning in. It's always a pleasure. Hope you guys have a good one out there. Catch you on the next one. Peace. <laughs>